Welcome to the Australian Hiker Podcast, Australia's longest-running hiking podcast downloaded over three-quarters of a million times in over 160 countries and providing you with an Australian perspective on all things hiking. We're your hosts, Tim and Jules Savage, coming to you from Ngunnawal and Ngambri country. This is episode 255 of the Australian Hiker Podcast. In this episode, we're going to be discussing waterproofing your pack. We hope you enjoy. Before we get into today's episode, if you'd like to help support Australian Hiker and this podcast, there are a couple of ways that you can help us out. Firstly, by subscribing on your podcast host of choice so that each episode is available as soon as it's published. And if you have the opportunity, leave us a five-star review. Another way to support us is go to the Australian Hiker website at www.australianhiker.com.au and click on the supporters page and buy us a coffee. You can do a one-off donation or become a monthly supporter. All donations are greatly appreciated and help us to continue producing this podcast and blog. Now let's get on to today's episode. Hiking is a way for you to get out bush or for that matter into your local urban area. And unless you are travelling only short distances, you're more than likely going to be carrying a pack on your back. Now your pack will pretty much carry all the pieces of equipment uh, that you need for whatever adventure you have. Things like jackets, rain gear, camera phone, water and of course food. If you're doing a multi-day trip, you're also likely to have your sleeping equipment such as your sleeping bag and tent and spare set of clothing. But what happens if it rains, or maybe you're crossing an inlet, uh, how do you keep all your gear dry? And while most packs have a degree of water resistance, they typically aren't waterproof. Now, the idea for this podcast came about for two reasons. One, I had a hiker contact me and say, I can't find an article on waterproofing your pack. That's a good reason that's to good, do that's a podcast. That's a good reason. <laughs> and I must admit, I've got quite a large number of articles ready to write sitting in my system and I did after much searching find something that was close and thought yeah I just just hadn't really thought about it and in all honesty I don't tend to put a lot of conscious thought into waterproofing my pack it's just something that I do when I've done for a number of years in a particular way and just don't seem to think about it and don't seem to think that people people need to know about it. Yeah it's a funny one isn't it because it is a, a basic part of maintaining your gear and making sure that, you know, it's it's ready to do what you need it to do when you need it to do it. So there are a number of key considerations for waterproofing your pack. Now, let's before we go into that, let's look at waterproofing as opposed to water resistant. There are some packs on the market these days that you would class as waterproof, meaning that if you drop it in the water, it's going to stay totally dry and not get wet. Having said that, you wouldn't want to be carrying these packs fully loaded for long distances. They're generally meant for sports where things like canoeing and water sports where you, you want something to keep everything dry, but you're not physically carrying it. Or you're carrying it from short distances, you know, from the car to wherever you're going to. So they're, they're in relation to hiking packs, there really isn't a hiking pack that you would class as waterproof. Now, what I mean waterproof here is fully loaded pack, you drop it into a river or a creek and it sits on the bottom for even a short period. Uh, just about any pack you do that to is likely to start filling up with water. At best, most packs can be classed as water resistant uh, and it's really a matter of 
how do you make them as water resistant as possible and as best as you can waterproof? Yeah, and and I think when we're talking water resistant, it's the the fabric itself, if it's submerged for a short period of time, it will get a bit damp rather than a pack where the water's entering from the top of the pack. I mean, if you fill a pack up with water, then it doesn't matter what the fabric's made of. <laughs> it's, it's got water in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, and there's this large hole on the top of the pack <laughs> yeah. which you, you enter the pack in. It was just very uh, handy to do that, isn't yeah. it? So the first consideration we're going to look at is hiking practice. Now, most keen hikers will own a multi-day pack. And in all honesty, the average these days that I see on trail is a pack of around about 65 litres in capacity. And they'll also own a day pack, which might be 20, 25 sort of litres on average for just going out for a shorter adventure. Now, in most cases, if you are going out on a day hike and it's sunny, dry, warm weather, there's not a cloud in the sky, you probably don't have to think too much about waterproofing a pack. You may not even be carrying a rain jacket because you're pretty sure it is not going to rain. But once you start doing longer hikes or doing it over, doing hiking over multiple days, you've really got to cater for all weather eventualities. And that pretty much is rain, no rain. If you're hiking in the Australian Alps, you can pretty much expect snow potentially at any time of the year, although there are some months where you're not going to get that. From a hiking practice point of view, the first thing you need to consider is having a neat pack. Now, it doesn't have to be squared and and pretty looking, but what I mean by a neat pack is if you've got a a pack, which in my case is an average of around about 50 litres in capacity, I don't want to go and try and stuff 60 or 70 litres worth of gear in there. Because what will end up happening is you won't be able to pull the cinch cord on the top of the pack close. You're unlikely to be able to pull the top flap or the pack brain closed over the top. And that way you're likely to end up with gaps, which if it is raining or you do happen to drop it into a creek, you've got this gap that the water is going to go through and enter. Really, when you think about it, if you have a look online and have a look at the written article for this podcast, the Images that I've, I've pulled off the internet from some of the pack manufacturers, the packs are really neat and clean. Somebody has spent a lot of time filling this with, I'm guessing, probably blankets and clothing. Uh, it looks really square. There's no lumps. The straps are perfectly straight. Uh, there's nowhere for anything to get into the pack unless you fully submerge it. Yeah, and the reality is that you know, we're, we're not that good, are we, <laughs> when you're stuffing odd odd shapes and bits and pieces and you've forgotten something and then you have to reopen your pack and stuff it down and and make sure it it gets into the pack. So I think that's one of those things about practice. It's one of those things about making sure you don't have too much in in your pack. One of the things I often say to people is that even if you have a 60 litre pack, you don't have to put 60 litres worth in into it. You know, think about that and, and think about how are you going to best protect, I guess, everything that's in your pack from the elements? Now, Jill mentioned not having to necessarily fill a pack up. I've got a number of packs that it, there is a minimum weight that they work well with. So just because of the style of the backing, a trampoline-style backing, they don't tend to perform really well with 
very, very lightweight. If I got, if I'm carrying less than, uh, you know, if I'm carrying a 50 or 60 litre pack with five or six kilos in it, which is not very much, uh, I just find that the pack tends to float. It's not as comfortable as it could be. So you'll find that the adage with hiking packs is to work out what gear you want to carry and then work out what pack you need. Uh, but for a lot of people, they'll go into a store, people will say, okay, you need this size pack, and traditionally it is a 65-litre pack is the standard size, and they will proceed to fill up the 65-litre pack whether they <laughs> need to or not. So it really is worthwhile working out what it is you want to carry and then say, okay, or I'll borrow a pack from somebody uh, or take all my gear into the store and see what pack I can get away with. Uh, yeah, that would be annoying, wouldn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm sure that sure the retail stores will love that. But um, yeah, even if you borrow, well, a pack if they from, want to sell the pack, that's yeah, what yeah. they're going to have to do. Yeah. <laughs> so even if you borrow a pack from a friend to say, okay, well, I borrowed their 65 letter pack and it's way too big, I can go smaller than that. So I can remember a number of years ago, Jill and I did that. We made a purchase based on the recommendation for that track. We bought a 70-litre pack and only half filled it. So, you know, it's the sort of thing that, you know, whatever, you, whatever it is that you carry, uh, and it doesn't matter whether it's different from somebody else, if that's what you want to carry, that's fine. Uh, but work on what you want and then work on the pack size. From there, we start moving to, into physical uh, protection. In this case, the first thing we're going to look at is pack covers. Most hikers, if they hike in wet weather, will own a pack cover, either that's integrated in with the pack itself uh, or it's separate, which you go through and attach to the pack uh, or put over the top of the pack if that's what you prefer. A lot of the lighter weight packs will strip a lot of features off. So if you know you're going for a one or two day hike and there's absolutely no risk whatsoever of rain, why bother carrying a pack cover? Uh, if there's a chance of rain, I'd definitely lean on the side of caution and carry a pack cover through there. And particularly for those lighter packs, um, because the fabrics are lighter and, you know, that does mean that there's greater opportunity, the, the, the fabrics are thinner, greater opportunity for, for moisture to uh, even seep into the pack if you, if you put it down uh, somewhere that's wet or damp. So pack covers come in varying sizes. You'll often see them advertised as small, medium and large or they'll be in, in literage sizes. So I own a number of different pack covers to suit different packs. I, as mentioned, typically will use a, an approximately 50 litre size pack for most of my uh, multi-day hikes. But I don't want to get a 30 to 50 litre size pack because in my case, I stuff my tent in the outer stretch pocket, which makes the, the pack at best what you can describe looking pregnant. And that tends to sort of warp the shape a bit of the pack cover. So for me, a 50 litre, 30 to 50 litre pack cover on a 50 litre pack isn't quite enough. So I go for the next size up, which is a 50 to 70 litre cover. Yeah, and I would say that even, even a, a well-packed, neat uh, 50 litre pack a 30 to 50 litre uh, pack cover is scrimping a little bit on, on on the cover that you need, the coverage that you need. Yeah, so have a look at that. You know, if you are going for if you've got a 50 litre pack, you're better off going up a size than rather coming, than going the smaller option. Now, 
Pack covers are one of these funny things. You look at them, and unless it's got writing or a brand logo across it and they're plain, <laughs> um, it's sometimes you pick this thing up and thinking, I've done this so many times, you put it on and thinking, I've got it upside down. And the way I know I've got it upside down is most pack covers will come with a drainage eyelet and that's supposed to go down the bottom. Which makes sense, doesn't yeah, it, really? <laughs> which, which means if if water does get into the uh, between the pack liner and the pack cover, it's going to run down the bottom and drip out the bottom. And even if there's condensation um, that's forming on the inside of the pack cover, that also means it'll run down the inside of the pack cover and out the bottom. Now, pack covers, just by the term, they cover the pack – but they don't cover the entire pack. They cover the, the part of the pack that's exposed. So they, they should be part pack covers. Yeah. <laughs> so you'll find that when you put a pack cover on, if you've got a rain jacket as well, the water will hit the top of your shoulders. They'll run down your back between the harness of the pack itself and the rain jacket, and then they can end up seeping. They'll normally hit the top of the hips where quite often uh, there's probably the, the most connection between your pack and the uh, uh, your back, and they'll tend to sit there and seep in through the pack that way potentially. So pack covers don't provide a 100% cover of the pack. It's almost impossible to do that. Uh, but what it does mean is that's a potential gap, uh, and certainly I have seen packs uh, that you get a bit of dampness across the back, and that's a potential weak point of pack covers. Well, I guess the, the only option uh, to prevent that is to wear a poncho really. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's the thing. So, you know, wearing a poncho that has a, a built-in pack cover in it, uh, and they are available on the market, and they go over the top of your uh, pack. And, and you. Uh, and, you <laughs> uh, and that's probably going to be the best way to keep your pack dry if, you, uh, if it's not windy. And this is the issue. Ponchos are lovely until it's blowing a gale, uh, <laughs> and then they become annoying. But again, it's it's horses for courses. People have preferences, and that's an option as well. Still on the physical side of things, we're looking at pack liners. Now, again, as the name suggests, they line the inside of the pack, or they line the inside of the pack brain, which is a small pocket at the top of the pack, or uh, you might even get smaller dry bags. So when there is small sizing, so in the case of my pack brain, I use a 13-litre dry bag. They don't tend to call them pack liners at that stage, but they pretty much are the same things. And these will provide an additional layer of protection. So you might have a pack cover on. You then might add a pack, la- a pack liner inside the pack brain and the pack itself. And I certainly do because I'm carrying a reasonable amount of electronics on a multi-day, multi-week hike. I'm typically carrying a camera, and it's not a waterproof camera. I'm carrying an uh, iPad if I'm uh, recording podcasting on longer trips. Uh, I'm carrying uh, battery packs, which aren't always totally waterproof. Uh, so having that uh, additional protection for the electronics, but also for the clothing as well, because on a multi-day hike, you're carrying a sleeping bag, you're carrying a tent, you're carrying a spare change of clothing, uh, and the last thing you want is to get into camp at the end of the day after walking through rain the entire day, which I have done, and having wet gear. Yeah, that's not fun. So having that liner provides that additional layer. And and from my perspective, that's what I've used for a number of years. So the pack cover and then the pack li- uh, liners on the inside. 
Uh, and even when I did the Bibbleman track in 2018, where I had uh, the first day in particular of torrential rain and 100 kilometre hour winds, and it was it was actually 100 kilometre hour winds. I didn't think you were going to move off that uh, start point, let me tell you. <laughs> I saw the videos and thinking, oh, no, he's not going anywhere. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and again, I've, I've, I have never had wet gear or wet equipment because of the system that I use. And, you know, in, in that circumstance you knew it was going to be wet, but if you're doing um, multi-day hikes and, and, and definitely multi-week hikes, the weather changes. So even if the forecast looks good, the forecast can change. So on the, on the Bibbleman track, 35 days actually hiking, 27 days with rain. Lovely. Now, now, some of those days were pretty heavy for a lot of the day. Others were for 10 minutes and, and that was it, gone. But, yeah, I was certainly glad I had uh, all that gear protected. Now, when is a pack liner not a pack liner? Uh, when, it, when you turn it into a pack cover. So if I'm doing walks such as the Great Ocean Walk in Victoria or other similar walks where I expect to have a number of inlet crossings, and I'm not positive about how deep the water is likely to be, uh, in addition to having liners inside my pack, I will also carry, in my case, a 90-litre dry bag or a 90-litre pack liner, which I put my pack inside and then roll the top over up and close it. Now, if, if that's the case, it, if it's safe enough to cross and it's, you know, it's, not, you know, it's deep enough that I can get across without going underwater, basically... Uh, I will have my pack sitting on my shoulders or carrying it above my head uh, inside the bag and crossing over. Now, in that instance, it is really rare I ever do that. I will have a short section of, uh, of lightweight cord, uh, which means if I'm crossing over and I happen to drop it, uh, I don't have to go searching for it. I'll get myself out of the water and then drag it out. Um, never had to do that, but it's just a, a, a thing that I do just in case. Yeah, and again, um, when we were on the 12 Apostles hike, we didn't really know what the water crossings were going to be like and how deep and so on. And uh, we both carried large uh, liners, uh, potentially for use on the outside of the bag, just in case. But we didn't use them, but... Well, we didn't yeah. use them for what we bought them for. We actually used them and the ground was quite wet in a couple of days. We sat on them. <laughs> so we sat on them on the grass. Uh, Which was great. <laughs> it was. It was. So they didn't go to waste. That's, an, that's another use for them. <laughs> now we move on to chemical treatments. So we've got the physical barriers. Uh, and again, as I said, I use pack liners. I use pack covers. But then there's the chemical treatment. Now, most packs that are manufactured these days to a great extent, have fairly water-resistant materials. And again, as I said, it's really rare that you'd class them as waterproof because there are holes in the top where you get your gear in and out of. So that's the potential weak point. While the material might be really waterproof and really water-resistant, generally when you look at the fabrics and look at the recommendations from the fabric manufacturer, they will say, do not expose to sunlight. So basically, you know, if you're hiking... You don't really, go hiking yeah, in the sun. No, you don't go hiking in the sun pretty much. I, I had a pair of swimmers once that said don't uh, don't use in the sunlight, don't swim in salty water and don't swim in 
uh, chlorinated water. Yeah. You're just supposed to sit under an umbrella and <laughs> in the water. Yeah. For a yeah, pair, pair of swimmers, I thought. Yeah, okay. So with the chemical treatments, um, and there are a number of different brands on the market, we've given, uh, we've given one example on the, uh, uh, the written article. Generally what you'll do here is clean your, your gear first, and that includes your pack, uh, and go through and do a waterproof treatment. Yeah, just on that, I, I was thinking about this. I'm, I'm not sure that a lot of people would actually physically wash their pack, and that's something that we do when we come back from a hike. Uh, you know, it gets a bit dirty, gets a bit muddy. We, so we submerge it in into water and give it a good, you know, swish about and, and clean all the dirt and mud off potentially inside and out. And, and it just occurred to me that, People probably washed lots of their gear, parts of their gear, but potentially not their their packs. And when you're doing that, it does mean that you're also washing off some of the uh, the waterproofing that was uh, put on during the manufacturing process as well. So you do need to replace that, and you do need to make sure that you you know you you're using. You do need to make sure that you're cleaning your pack as much as you would clean the other parts of your gear. So UV will impact on the waterproofability of material of your pack. Uh, abrasion will also do it. And again, when you think about it, it's rare where you just take a pack off and gently place it down. We <laughs> usually will, but yeah, sometimes you might drag. Well, at the end of the day, sometimes I throw mine down, but anyway. <laughs> So yeah, that abrasion can actually uh, uh, actually remove the waterproofing material, and it can actually, uh, in some cases, in some of the highly technical fabrics that are available these days, the material tends to stretch slightly and lose that waterproofing ability. Now, it's not just the packs as well. So I've had pack covers that just soaked straight through, uh, and yeah, and they get them. They've been a number of years old. Uh, and it's amazing. You put them through a waterproofing treatment and all of a sudden the water beads again and it re- just rolls off. So again, when was the last time that most people ever actually waterproofed their pack covers uh, or again, their their, their dry bags? Uh, yeah, and that's, an, that's another interesting point because I think there's also a limit to how often you can do that. Um, and, you know, we've had some very, very old um, pack covers and no no amount of waterproofing and tech wash is actually going to help uh, bring it back to um, a waterproof cover. No, no. And yeah, and again, it's really going to depend on how much hiking you do. In my case, I am carrying a pack for approximately 2,000 plus kilometres a year. Uh, for a lot of people, they might only go on a four or five day hike a year, once a year or once every two years. Uh, and you know, do you really need to go through and waterproof it every year? The answer is probably not, uh, but certainly in 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 our case, uh, I do waterproof my clothing that I'm wearing before you know things like rain gear before I go on a long distance hike, uh, and at least once a year I'll also do the pack as well, uh, simply because again the UV and the use in the in the environment is what's going to limit the life of the material. Now, just to wrap this up, I do tend to go full on with my waterproofing processes because of the electronics that I'm carrying. 
Uh, and again, I'm not the average hiker in that respect. And a lot of people might not go hiking in heavy rain, uh, might not go hiking that often, uh, and might get away with just a pack cover quite happily. Uh, well, I go full on as well because I don't like having wet things. <laughs> Um, so if you are a heavy electronics user or you're hiking in quite moist conditions, so a good example here, Tasmania has a lot of rain days. Uh, and I think on the uh, the Great Ocean Walk that we did in 2022, uh, the average rainfall for that part of Victoria was 270 days a year. So expect to get rained on. So as a result, come prepared for the rain and make sure everything's waterproof. So... Best case situation, you, know, it, you might end up getting some damp gear if you don't waterproof well enough. Worst case, if the conditions are extremely cold and potentially hypothermic, that can be a big risk to your health. So again, it's worthwhile considering the style of hiking, the conditions you're going into, what degree of waterproofing you're going to go through and do. And as I said, keep in mind that equipment has a limited life, and for the average hiker, that can be many years. But go through and do an annual gear check, make sure everything's okay, and certainly do a check just before you go on a big adventure to make sure it's performing the way that it should. For the sake of a small amount of money uh, for a chemical treatment, potentially a new pack cover or pack liner, or very rarely a new pack, um, it's the enjoyment of the hike that's going to be the thing you're looking for. Okay, that's all for this week's episode. We hope you've enjoyed. Bye for now. And bye from me. If you're doing a multi-day trick, 